guys, Michael here with WeddingVideographySchool.com. Hope you guys are having a great week, great day. I know I am. Uh, back for part two of the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Uh, my thoughts, my review, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I've had a chance to use the camera. I've had a chance to uh, look at the footage. I've had a chance to play with the footage and edit it. And um, I got to say, I'm... Uh, pretty impressed with this camera. Now, the last time I talked about this camera, I hadn't had a chance to actually use it. Uh, I was waiting on a speed booster and waiting on um, uh, a micro four thirds lens to use. And I just didn't have a lot of impressions other than what um, I, I had in my hand, you know, holding the actual camera, the form factor and such. Um, I have a lot more thoughts on this camera after being able to use it for the last couple weeks. Um, and my overall impression is that I really, really like it. Um, so I'm going to start out with the pros, like the things that I like about this camera. Um, I don't want to come across as pessimistic or pes pessimistic. I don't want to come across as like super negative. So I want to start uh, with the pros, what I think Blackmagic really got right with this camera. Because um, there's a lot of people online that are kind of bashing this camera. Actually, I don't know. I, I feel like there are some people online that are bashing it. I wouldn't say a lot, and I wouldn't say most people are. I think um, there's just a few out there. And that always kind of drives me nuts when, like, a company comes out or, or at least is going in the right direction of, like, how I'd like to see cameras being made and... Um, and like then people just go out and like criticize and attack them like that drives me nuts because um, this camera in a lot of ways is what people have been asking for and screaming for uh, and I think black magic actually did a really good job uh, listening to people and making this camera uh, available and really at a price that's pretty crazy when you really think about it but we can get into all of that here in a moment. But first, let's talk about the pros of this camera. Obviously, I mentioned price. I'm not actually listing price as a pro, even though I do think it is one. I just want to knock out my top three pros. Um, and we can talk more about price in a minute. But really, I'd say probably my favorite thing about this camera is the image. Um, this camera has a really nice image. I think the dynamic range on this camera is really good. Now, that being said, I'm not coming from like an Ursa Mini Pro or a RED camera or anything like that. Um, those cameras are definitely better than this camera, right? This, this you know, $1,300 camera is not going to hold up to uh, the RED and the Ursa. But um, it's it's got a really great image, and it's an image that is definitely different than what you're going to get from a DSLR. Um, and I, it's, it's really refreshing. Um, like I said, the dynamic range is great. Um, yeah. And just the look of it, especially if you're someone who really likes, um, serious kind of tones or realistic tones and genuine kind of, uh, I'm just kind of being ethereal here in my descriptions, but, um, it, it just has a very genuine look to it. Um, 
it has a very cinematic kind of quality to the footage. Um, there's a couple different modes you can use. You can use the video mode or the video extended mode or the film mode. The film mode is basically like, it's almost like a log kind of mode. Um, not like, uh, yeah, I, that's the best way to describe it. It's almost like a log. It's a really flat profile. Um, now it's not crazy flat. Like the thing I like about this profile, this film profile is it's flat, but it still looks good. I've seen a lot of flat profiles from like, you know, super flat profiles on DSLRs or the, I think, uh, DJI has some on their drones that are like super flat and just kind of like gross, like hard to bring anything back from that kind of flat profile, in my opinion, without the image kind of deteriorating in quality. Um, but this, this image is, is really good looking even in the, in the log kind of mode. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that mode. The video extended, um, is basically like a it's like a cross between the film mode and the video mode. The video mode is like, Hey, I'm shooting this real quick and I got to turn this around. I'm not really going to do any color grading or anything. I'm just going to like put this out there. You, you probably just want to shoot in video mode for that. But the video extended mode is actually kind of cool too. Cause it's just, it's like a mix. It's like a really nice mix of those two modes. Um, so if you wanted, you, I mean, I'd say you could even turn something around super quick with that and not even really need to do any color grading if you didn't want to. Um, you're going to get a little bit of a flatter look, um, but there's something about it, like I said, that's cinematic and genuine. So I really, I really have to say that I, I think this camera looks really good um, and I'm impressed by it. I really am. I, I, uh, there's not a whole lot about the image that I don't like. I'm sure everybody's wondering, though, about the image uh, in terms of low-light performance. Like, what can I expect? Can I go to a wedding reception and shoot um, in the dark with this thing? And I'm going to say that the answer is probably no. Um, I think you can go to a wedding reception with this and get a passable image. If it were me, like... And I, I don't know that I really think this camera is wedding ready quite yet, although I am seeing some people using it at weddings or there, there's videos popping up online of that. Um, some early adopters out there. So it's definitely doable. I, I'm not comfortable yet taking this camera to a wedding and really making it my A camera. Um, I, I, for a couple reasons. One is... Um, I think the main reason is I just don't feel comfortable enough with the camera. Um, I haven't spent enough time with it to feel like, you know, this, this camera is second nature to me. Right. Whereas with the Canon 5D Mark IV and the Mark threes and basically all the 5D series, I pretty much know where all the buttons are because they've been in the same place for like the last decade. Right. So I don't even have to look really at the camera or where I'm putting my fingers to push different buttons and with the this camera it's so different than what I'm used to that I do have to kind of look um, at what I'm doing and it takes me a little bit longer so my reaction time with this camera as I guess with any new camera just isn't as good so there's that reason um, but also <clears throat> excuse me I found that uh, it seems like it's kind of 
buggy in some ways. Like there's been, um, I've had some issues with like going into the menu and like things look different than the last time I went into the menu. And so I don't know if it's all me screwing up. I have a hunch that it's not me screwing up. I'm sure I have screwed up a couple things for sure, but, um, and we can get into that later. That's, that's a different piece, but, um, yeah, I think this camera is the, the image is, is really cool and really unique. And I think it's comparable, comparable for the most part in what you're going to find in a higher end camera, like, um, let's say like an Ursa mini pro or something. And there's all, there's actually people online who say that the image is like almost identical. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think for me, I think the Ursa is still just a better camera for multiple reasons. Um, but the fact that you have a camera that's like the Ursa, uh, and it's in this form factor, it's been made to be super compact. Like that's, that's pretty incredible. And so the second thing that I really like about this camera is its size. Um, it's a great size camera. It's very similar to a DSLR. Um, I mean, if you're using it, if you've been using a DSLR as long as I have, you know that um, you, you could pretty much expect the same thing from this camera in terms of size. Um, it's 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 a really great size. I think they really knocked it out of the park. And the fact that they've put, um, you know, the the image quality. The 4K 60 frames per second in all the different codecs, the ProRes codecs, and um, and even in RAW you can do 4K 60 frames per second. Um, that's to be able to have it in this size of camera is just so awesome. Like it's so it's so cool. Like in a lot of ways, this camera is what I've been dreaming of for for a while. So the size is great. Let's talk about my third favorite thing about this camera, and that's the Codex. Uh, having ProRes, you're able to uh, record directly to basically three different kinds of ProRes. Um, you can record uh, ProRes LT, 422, and HQ. Um, for me, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, ProRes LT is basically... Um, just about as good as me or maybe even a slightly better than me shooting an h.264 um on my dslr the uh the prores lt is it's a great little format that doesn't take up too much space um i think most people are going to want to shoot in prores 422 um which definitely takes up more space but yeah that's a just a good solid codec that i'd probably recommend for most wedding videographers um, HQ is awesome, but it takes up a ton of space. I, I think for me, I don't really need it. Um, if you're worried about, you know, you know, maybe if you're not as experienced or you have a hard time getting white balance or a hard time getting correct exposures, maybe it's worth it to step up to like a 422 codec, um, so that you can have a little more latitude in making post adjustments. Um, but for someone like me who's been doing this for 10 years plus, uh, I don't have a hard time white balancing. So uh, I don't have a hard time getting the right exposure most of the time. Like 90% of the time, I don't have exposure issues. So um, 
it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to to shoot in ultra crazy quality right uh especially like raw it's kind of it's like it's like when you buy a car that can go off road and you're like eh, probably never actually gonna go off road but it's kind of cool to know that i could if i wanted to that's kind of how i feel about this camera like i don't need raw like I don't think I've ever worked on a project where I thought, oh, man, I wish I had shot this in RAW. <laughs> like, it's just so insanely data-heavy that it doesn't make sense for me. Um, but it's kind of cool to know that I could shoot in RAW if I wanted to. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really unique camera, and I can't help but think of the 5d mark ii back when canon released the 5d mark ii like that really and they added the video capability to it in that model that really changed the way people were shooting i mean you saw people using like panasonic cameras with like lettuce adapters on the end you have to you used to have to buy this like depth of depth of field adapter i had one like you'd buy these rails and you'd mount it on the end of the camera and it was like just such a pain um and then the 5d mark ii added video capability and it was like whoa like you had depth of field immediately you had um you had everything you wanted and it was in a tiny package. So it was revolutionary. I feel like black magic is doing that with this camera. Like there's something very revolutionary about it. And people are really pumped about this camera for that reason. Um, I don't know that I've seen people this excited about a camera, uh, in a long time. So, but that being said, I've got a lot of positive things to say about this camera, but there are some uh, cons. And the first con that I noticed right away, the first thing that just kind of started to really irritate me about this camera was the battery life. The battery life on this camera is just insanely bad. I, I Like 30 minutes and you're changing uh, your Canon LPE6 battery. Um, so on one hand I was all excited cause I was like, oh man, I've already got a bunch of these batteries cause I shoot with Canon anyway. So, um, like awesome. <laughs> I don't need to go out and buy a bunch of new batteries, except I'm quickly realizing that that is not the case. I do need to go out and buy, uh, batteries. Uh, I'm actually buying, I've got, there's like a, uh, on B and H and Adorama and some of those web, probably on Amazon too. I should have bought it from Amazon. Got my two-day free shipping, but I forgot. Um, there's a uh, core battery. I think it's like SWX or something like that. Um, it's just like an external battery that you can bolt on to the bottom of the the Pocket 4K, um, and it should give me about three to four hours of record time. Um, yeah, switching batteries. At first, you know, when I first thought. When I first got the camera, I thought, oh, it won't be so bad. I'll just keep a bag of batteries with me. Yeah, switching batteries every 30 minutes is way more annoying than I ever thought it would be. Um, I thought it wouldn't be a big deal, but I changed my mind. It sucks. It's annoying. Um, they Blackmagic, I guess, came out with like a new firmware where they made the battery performance better somehow with some fixes in the firmware but from what i've heard so far from other people who've installed it i i haven't installed it just yet i probably will soon but um 
Yeah, they're saying it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Like maybe they notice it, maybe they don't, uh, the difference. So I I don't know. But essentially, I mean, if you really want to use this camera, especially if you want to use it for weddings, you're going to need um, an external battery solution. Um, I'm hoping they'll come out with some sort of a grip, um, like maybe a grip that you charge that just has like a big ass battery built into it that you just, you just charge the actual grip. Um, I think it would be foolish for them to make a grip where you had to insert like the Canon LPE6 batteries. Cause I'm looking at this thing right now. Let me see if I can. And sometimes the battery door is kind of finicky. Like some people were saying at first they couldn't get it open. I, or they couldn't get it closed. I kind of have a hard time getting it open. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking at this battery and I think you could all, if you had a grip for it, you could only fit like, I don't even know that you could fit three of these batteries in the, I don't know how they would do it. I, I don't think they should make it where it accepts the Canon batteries. I think it should just be a straight up battery filled grip that's rechargeable. Um, I guess, I don't know, but yeah, the battery life is a pain in the ass. Um, so I've got this battery coming and I'm going to bolt it onto the bottom. But if you guys go on like the B and H website or whatever, and you Google, you know, battery for black magic pocket 4k you're gonna see that it's not the most appealing or like visually appealing thing uh aesthetically it's pr actually pretty ugly to look at um it's just like this brick that's mounted to the bottom of the camera and it just looks really really lame so yeah battery performance uh was was certainly a bummer um all right, let's moving moving on to the next con. Um, I would say that this camera is deceptively inexpensive. Um, you know, this is a camera that sells for like it's under fifteen hundred bucks. I think it sells for like thirteen hundred or something like that, twelve fifty. I can't remember exactly, but um, I paid more for mine because I bought mine off of eBay. Um, yeah, it's it's. It's an incredible price point, and what Blackmagic has done with this price point is awesome. But unless you're just shooting some B-roll with it and you're not trying to make it your A camera, uh, you're really going to need to add on a lot of stuff to make it as functional as you want it to be. Um, you know, right away I realized, obviously, the battery. I was going to need to add a battery to it. Um you know, I want to add a microphone to it, which you can do right on the top. But you also, um, unless you want to buy super fast and expensive CFast cards, um, this camera does accept SD cards for everybody who's wondering. But um, if you want to access like 4K, you know, ProRes uh, 422 at like 60 frames per second, um, you're going to want... Um, you're going to want like an SSD drive. So that's like an external hard drive. They make uh, the Samsung T5. I think it's the Samsung T5 is super popular. Um, it's a really little SSD drive that you can mount onto this camera um, and plug it in to, uh, to the, the port here. And basically it'll just record all your footage to the drive. 
which is actually really cool. It's pretty convenient. Um, but you know, you're looking at another few hundred bucks for the drive and amount. Um, or maybe it's only a hundred bucks. I don't know. Either way, you're starting to add more money on, right? So, um, my battery that I bought was almost $300, probably with tax, it probably is $300. Um, and so, you know, and then you're like, okay, well, I want to have a mic and I want to have an SSD drive and I need to have this battery on the bottom. So I, now I need to start looking at getting a, like a cage for the camera, right? Like a little outside camera cage where I can start rigging this thing up and putting, uh, installing the SSD drive on, uh, put the microphone on, um, and, uh, you know, maybe you want to add a top handle or, um, a shoulder rig or something like that. Like you start to kind of see like, okay, uh, is this a camera that I want to throw on a tripod or on a monopod most of the time? Or is this a camera that I want to, um, you know, take off and then put on a gimbal? It's, it's crazy. Cause it's like, you kind of start to realize really quickly that I'm going to have to spend a bunch of money in order to really make this work for weddings. Um, I can get by, sure, I could just get by with like an external microphone and an external battery. Um, and it wouldn't be that much different than me using like a Canon 5D Mark IV or something. But then you get outside into the sunlight and you realize, oh shit, I cannot see this uh, display. Like I had, I have my display brightness on 100% and when I'm outside, I can see it, but not very well. So now I'm like, well, now I need like a viewfinder or a loop or something to put on the back of this thing. Um, and so all of a sudden, like this $1,500 purchase that you made is now going up to, you know, $3,000 or something like that by the time you get um, some of the stuff that you need. And of course, you want to have matching cameras, right? So if you're doing a ceremony setup, you got to have three of these things. And then maybe, and if it were me, like I would want one of these cameras to live on a gimbal like or a glide cam or whatever i wouldn't want to keep taking it on and putting it off and you know ugh, i i hate that i hated that with the ronin m that i had um always having to switch and put the new camera put a camera on because i didn't have a camera that i could just dedicate to the ronin yeah it was such a pain um I don't like that. So for me, it's almost like I need four of these cameras. I need one to live on a gimbal or a glide cam, and I need the other three um, <clears throat> to be available for the ceremony. Um, yeah, and my A cam. So I, I don't know. It's like it's a really cool camera, and I definitely want to use it for weddings, but I just don't think I'm ready to do that. Um, and I know that I won't be until I get at least three of these things and they're all back ordered right now. So, um, it'll probably be a couple more months before the back orders are, are over with. Um, who really knows? I, I mean, I really don't have any insight into how long it's going to be before they, those back orders are, are over with. But, um, all right. So last thing, uh, and I touched on it a little bit is I think this camera is a little buggy and I'm hoping this new firmware update kind of fixes it. Um, but it's a little buggy right now. I noticed while using the camera, there were a few times where I would have my settings the way I wanted them specifically like 
frame rate. This is something that happened a bunch of times. I'd set my frame rate to like 29.97 um, and I'd be shooting and everything would be good. Um, I'd turn off the camera. Maybe I'd, you know, eject the SD card, offload some footage, put it back in. And then, you know, maybe I pick up the camera a few hours later and go shoot another few clips or something like that. And I would offload the footage, look at it, and then be like, hmm, that looks weird. <laughs> like, why does that look weird? Um, and I realized it was recording in a different frame rate than what I had previously wanted. Um, so I don't know if I was going into the menu, adjusting other things, and then maybe bumping this option to do like an off speed frame rate or what was going on. But like, it felt to me like sometimes things in the menu were being selected that I hadn't selected specifically this frame rate, this off speed frame rate recording option was being turned on. Um, <clears throat> and I was recording all of a sudden I was recording in a different frame rate than what I thought I was recording. So that was something that was a little weird. I also had an experience where I don't know if I hit a button or something, but I like turned off like all the display information that was just gone. Um, and I couldn't find a button that would put it back. Turns out it was uh, an option in the menu um, that you could select and it must have gotten turned off somehow. But like, I don't remember turning that off. So, like, I didn't purposefully do it. So, at the very worst, the software is buggy and doing weird things. Uh, at the very best, like, I'm accidentally changing things um, without knowing so. So, you could say, well, you're just experienced with the camera. But my concern is, since it's a touchscreen, I think <clears throat> it's really easy to, like, bump let's say it is my fault, then guess what? It's like super easy to bump these options. And when you're at a wedding, I think it's going to be super easy to screw something up um, and not realize it until later, which is not when you want to realize that something's screwed up. So um, I also had an experience where the camera got really, the screen got really dark on me and like the, the, uh, false color was turned on it looked like but it was super dark um and I hit the false color button to get it to go away and it didn't and the screen wouldn't brighten up until I turned the camera off and turned it back on so there was something weird going on there too that I can't quite explain so I know it's early like you know they're going to have to work out the bugs in the firmware and software and whatever. So I get that. I'm not like upset about it, but those are kind of the reasons why I don't necessarily think this is a wedding ready camera. Um, and maybe other people have different experiences with it. So I'd love to hear from anyone else who's using it for weddings. Uh, let me know what you think, but yeah, that's just kind of my, my overall impressions of this camera. I don't want to make it sound like a shitty camera. It's, it's a really cool camera. Um, I think it's going to be a while before I use it for weddings, but I will say that I can definitely see this camera becoming the new standard 
for wedding videographers um, in the future, or at least cameras that are very similar to this. I assume that now that this is out, maybe another company will come out with uh, a competing product. Um, but this one is good. This is a really good step forward. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens over the next year with it. Um, but I would say that this camera to get it all configured for weddings and be what you want it to be. I think you might as well just consider this like <clears throat> a three to three $3,500, like a 3000 to $3,500 camera. Um, yeah. And you might end up having to, it might end up being a little more expensive too, depending on how many SSD drives you want to buy and how many extra external batteries you want to buy. Um, so yeah, it, you know, I, I could definitely see somebody spending about 5k per camera to get this wedding ready. Um, and maybe I'm overshooting that number a little bit, but yeah, I think, I think I could really see that. Um, and I don't know if I really, I know I touched on low light before, but, um, <clears throat> I think I said, maybe I'd talk about that later. The low light issue. I'm actually surprisingly pleased with the image that I get in low light circumstances, particularly in the film mode, like this kind of this log video kind of mode. Um, it looks good. The, there is some grain, there is some noise, but I don't think it's that much worse than most DSLRs. Now, a camera like the Canon 5D Mark IV, I think is going to outperform this camera. But you have to realize that this camera really isn't meant to be... Um, it's a little different than a DSLR, and it's not meant to be a direct competitor, I don't think. Or maybe it is. I, I You know what? I, I take that back. I think form factor-wise, it's definitely a competitor with DSLRs. In a lot of ways, it is a competitor... I don't think that anybody thought that this was going to be a crazy good low light camera. And I don't think it is, but I think it's better than I thought it would be. Um, and the best way for me to describe its low light performance is the camera will give you a pretty good clean image of what you can actually see, right? So let's say you're standing out in your backyard at night you know, just close your eyes and picture yourself standing in your backyard at night and what you can see. The camera can basically see what you see. Now, with the 5D line, I'm used to being able to, like, you know, go up past what my human eye can see. And you can do that with this camera. You can take the ISO up to 20,000 or something. But it's going to look like garbage. Um, and it would look like garbage on a, you know, a 5D Mark IV if I took the ISO up, up that high. Uh, 3,200 is about where I think you can get with the ISO before it starts looking kind of crappy. Um, but at 6,400, you still have a usable image. So I think 6,400 and a nice low aperture lens, like a 1.4 or something, especially combined with like a speed booster, um, the speed booster ultra 0.71, 
that's what most people are going to want if you're trying to connect a uh, an EF lens um, to this camera. Um, yeah, I think you might be you might be good to go. Um, this camera is really cool. It's really interesting. I don't know what else to say about it. I can't tell you if it's right for you. You kind of got to figure that out for yourself. Um, you know, I'm still getting used to it. I'm still, there's still things that I don't quite understand about this camera. There's still things that I'm trying to figure out. So, um, would I recommend it to a wedding videographer? Yes and no. Um, yes, because I think this is the future. I think cameras like this are going to just become the standard among wedding videographers. Do I think that it's going to happen with this iteration of the camera? I think we might need to wait and see what happens. I think there will be a ton of people using this camera for weddings. I also think that the next time they come out with this camera, like an up, like maybe they come out with the Pocket 5K or the Pocket 6K or they come out with an updated version or the Pocket Pro or whatever they decide to do, I think that one is probably going to become like the most desired camera at that point. Like that, I think the next iteration of this camera is going to be really, really cool. Um, that's my prediction. Um, but I think they're on to something here. Uh, this is a camera that was probably made for videographers who wanted to shoot commercial grade work, um, with a smaller footprint. Um, you know, documentary style even, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of the rolling shutter on this camera. It's just not quite fast enough for my taste. But to be fair, neither is the 5D Mark IV. And that's why you have cameras like the Ursas and the Reds and um, the Alexas and stuff. Uh, those cameras, uh, Sony FS7, they just all have really fast rolling shutters. So you can go shoot handheld and it doesn't look all wobbly and, and gross. Um, you can shoot over the shoulder and it just looks really good. Um, so yeah, I don't think we're really ever going to see that in this camera, at least not for a long time. Um, so, you know, there's p things that people are online are complaining about, like, you know, oh, it doesn't have a flip screen or whatever, but that's not really what this camera was made for. This isn't a vlogging camera. If you want to vlog, I'm sure you can, but it's not what it's really intended to be used for. So, um, yeah, this, this camera is pretty cool. I, I give it a thumbs up, um, and I think everybody just kind of needs to test it out for themselves and, and see what they think about it. Um, and when it's available to rent, just go out, rent it, spend a week with it, um, and see see what you think of it, because I think it might be a unique experience for everybody. Um, all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Uh yeah, until next time guys, later. Mm -hmm.